Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. On today's Patriot Nation podcast, we are discussing Stefan Gilmore's contract situation, Nikhil Harry apparently wanting his way out of town, and we're going to be doing a draft of the best free agent signings in Patriots history. It's a heck of a show, so buckle up and cue the music. Stack receivers, two to the right. Russell Wilson extends the hands he has. Pass. Wilson, quick throw. And it's Gentlemen, we are back. Took a week off last week. I was in New York City, uh, but we are back and ready to go. Only a few weeks away from training camp, and uh, things are starting to get real around here. Two weeks. Two weeks away. It's crazy. Um, you couldn't tell from the weather around here, but it's actually summertime, and it's kind of dwindling. Usually when training camp happens, it means summer's just about over, and it feels like we haven't had a summer um, because no, it's been so rainy. I'm being wicked negative to start, but the rain is... Completely it's ruined my mood. It's the freaking last week. awful. It's been April twenty third for like three months straight. Just <laughs> legit. Yeah, just end of spring. No, constantly. I'm I'm coaching my girls' softball team, and we've had like three games rained out. We've had two practices rained out. It's just like it's ridiculous, dude. And then the games where it's not rained out, it's like ninety five degrees. And it's like, well, just like give me something in between. Give me an eighty five degree day that's sunny. Heat, it's all heat stroke or nothing. You right? Take what you can get. I guess I'll take that over over what we've had. You know. So uh, I'm going to start off with the story. Keegan, you were asking about uh, I played some college football. And now I'm yeah. not the, co- the college athlete in the room here is Spags. Okay. Spags actually played college sports. Uh, but I did play uh, college football for a year. Uh, I am in the NCAA record book. Just, just saying that I'm, I have a statistic in the NCAA record book, but the statistic behind it is fantastic. So we, the, the story behind the statistic is, is great. The second game of the season, I believe, we played CW Post. CW Post is in New York, for those of you that don't, that don't know. And uh, they were, like, really good. Like, really good. Like, I was probably – I was playing D-Tackle, but I was probably, like, 215. You know, 5'11", like, 210. I mean, I was, like – It's I me. Was, not good. Me. Yeah. yeah, not – no, not good. And slow. And not very strong. So, you know, I mean, I didn't have much going for me. So, um, so we're <laughs> – so we're playing post now. Post has it. Their offensive line across is three fifty 
350. I mean, it's stupid. Like their their line was massive. So, and they also have a running back who got a cup, had a cup of coffee, had a cup of coffee in the NFL, uh, but he was like five seven. Like, but he he broke Ron Dane's uh, rushing TD record. So, anyways, um, so we're playing and we're getting blown out. I mean, just absolutely murdered. And it's the fourth. It's the fourth quarter, and they're like, "Lane, get in there!" And I'm like, "All right, go running in." And I just literally just fired off as hard as I could every play. It got driven back 15 yards and thrown on my ass on every single play because it's like the guy's 110 pounds bigger than me and strong. And so one of the plays, I get driven back, thrown on the ground, and the running back happens to get tackled on top of me, and I'm the first guy up. And so they're like, "Oh, on the on the tackle, number 96, Pat Lane." And I'm like. Me, that was it. me. I mean, hey, there, there we go. All right. So, <laughs> then you hung him up. So, dude, so we're on the bus ride home, and I'm sitting next to a senior linebacker. Never plays. Kid never plays. He's like a you know reserve linebacker, and I'm telling him the story, and he's like, "Bro, you're 96," and I'm like, "Yeah." He's like, "I made that fucking tackle, dude. That's the only tackle." <laughs> you know, I was like, "I'm sorry, dude. I'm sorry. Like, I this is my fault." <laughs> So yeah, and then he he quit the team like two or three weeks later. So, oh, so yeah, that was uh, that was that was my fault. My bad, I mean, dude. I don't want to, I don't want to like trade bad <laughs> athlete stories, but that you reminded me, my only career sack in high school. I played defensive line because I was too slow to play linebacker. I was playing like nine technique, which means like what? all the way. Pat, it was first Pat Mahomes too. Is where it's going? Dude, I was I so this was actually the uh, the team that Caden Stearns was on. The kid that just got drafted by the Broncos. Okay. So it's that team, but I'm playing like nine technique all the way out, basically by the wide receivers. <laughs> it was like third and 20, so I'm just rushing. And I, I come off the ball. The ball gets snapped over the quarterback's head like 30 yards. So I'm chasing down the ball. I beeline to it, and I go to dive on it, dive right over the ball. And then the quarterback grabs the ball and falls down right next to me, and I touch him, and I get credit for like a 27-yard <laughs> sack. But it's only because I had a – beeline to the football and could have just scooped it and ran it in for a touchdown. Oh my and, goodness. Blew uh, it. so that whole week, every day we ran fumble drills for like a half hour and it was my fault. So that's, you that's just reminded me of that story. I, I don't want this to be that's great. Bum that's athlete hour, but that's good stuff. Well, listen, that's a great transition. Speaking of bum athletes, let's go, let's talk about Nikhil Harry. Uh, Nikhil, <laughs> Nikhil Harry has done nothing since he's been here. Um, you know, and listen, we were we're trying to we're trying to put a positive spin first year. Hey, you know, missed the first eight weeks and they're trying to get him involved and this and that, blah, blah, blah and everything else. But like they're just not his skill set doesn't work here. I think it's obvious that his skill set doesn't work here. And I, I will say I do think part of the blame has to go on the Patriots here because you knew what he was coming out of school. Like you knew he was a very limited receiver. He's not explosive. He didn't separate in college in the Pac-12, and their corners stink. So it's like, you know, if you can't separate there, you're sure as hell not going to be able to separate in the NFL, but he is a good contested catch guy in an offense where he's not going to get any opportunities to catch any contested catches. It's like, why the hell are you drafting that guy in that spot? It didn't. The pick never made any sense. The player never really produced. I still go back to last year during training camp when he's taking a knee behind like behind the 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 pole or something like that because he couldn't keep up. It's like, dude, what are you doing, man? What have you been doing? So, 
Uh, not a great look all, all around. I don't know if he actually gets traded, but like, I mean, change of senior might be best for everyone involved. Yeah, I mean, ju- just before we get fully into it, I want to read the statement because there's something in the statement that just really like drives home how ridiculous this whole experiment has been. So this is from Jamal Tucson. He's the uh, the agent who represents Nikhil Harry. He said, for the past several months, I have been working in cooperation with the Patriots behind the scenes to put a plan in place to allow Nikhil to thrive in New England. Through two seasons, he has 86 targets, which obviously hasn't met the expectations the Patriots and Nikhil had when they drafted a dominant downfield threat who was virtually unstoppable at the point of attack in college. Following numerous conversations with the Patriots, I believe it's time for a fresh start and best for both parties if Nikhil moves on before the start of training camp. That is why I have informed the Patriots today that I am formally requesting a trade on behalf of my client. The rest of it doesn't matter. Oh, a dominant downfield threat who was virtually unstoppable at the point of attack in college is just straight up not true. He was good. His like he was, fine. was him just taking punt returns and end arounds and that's and exactly screens. what I'm talking about. You know, if like, you look at you look at those videos that guys put together of just like touchdown highlights of college players, you know, like every Nikhil Harry touchdown in college, it's like four punt returns, like six screens that he just catches a screen and just runs over the DBs because Pac-12 DBs are just track stars. That's yeah. all they are. They've never actually been cornerbacks. It's just guys who run track at high school and the USC, you know, recruiting coordinators like, oh, that guy's fast. Let's take him, you know, so – I think I think the biggest problem with the past with the past year because his rookie year I completely throw out it was a shit show from the beginning. Got hurt. Brady never wanted anything to do with him because he knew it was his last year and he wasn't going to spend the time on trying to get this guy caught up to speed. So it, the the biggest problem in in his second year was nobody knows what this guy is. The Patriots don't know what he is because they're not putting him in, in a position to succeed. And him and his agent don't know who he is because they just said he was a dominant downfield threat who was unstoppable at the point of attack in college when he had some success doing that. But his his success was completely different. You know, the production production wise had nothing to do with that. So just as a whole, the biggest problem with Nikhil Harry in New England is no one knows what the hell to do with this guy. They haven't. And I think since too, day one. like like you said, giving him the benefit of the doubt, kind of backtracking a year ago when we were talking about him and and kind of talking about, you know, year two breakout guys, I thought he'd be a perfect situation for that. Considering the reasons you had said, missed the first eight weeks, Brady knew he was done. It was clear. He he talked about it. They knew about it in in that book that he knew it was his last year before week one. Um, And you're right. They weren't going to, you know, spend the time to get him up to speed. And he just, at the time when he got active, it just, it was too late for him. And then you factor in, you know, COVID and another quarterback situation where, let's face it, they, he's terrible throwing the football. It's someone that, you know, Nikhil necessarily wouldn't thrive with. But then you're like, oh, Cam Newton had a ton of success with Calvin Benjamin and Greg Olson and, and bigger guys that can make plays on the ball. Never really gave him a chance to do it. Never really put himself in that situation. So I think it's a little bit of both. But I think for him, just the timing of this is, is super interesting. It's It was three weeks before camp. He's likely home around his family, his agent, right? They're, you know, kind of thinking a lot Arizona. more than you would. Yeah, you 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 start hearing from people like, hey, you got to get out of there and, and find a new situation. So I think even before the draft, when this kind of came up in March, everybody, even including the Patriots, and I'm sure Nikhil Harry's side, thought, 
hey, uh, uh, a change of scenery is probably best for both. The problem is you just wasted a, a first-round pick in a draft that was generational for wide receivers, and you didn't get anything out of it. Um, so I think it's a little bit on both. I, th- I think it's – for Harry, it speaks wonders about him. And obviously, we don't know the whole story, so I don't want to speculate too much. But he had an opportunity. I mean, and, and Greg Bedard talk, talked about it. Um, aside from Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, and Jacoby Myers – there's really a, a free-for-all for that wide receiver one spot and people who are going to demand the most targets, especially when you have James White and the two tight ends. So he could have went into camp or even mini camp and had a, you know, a stronger impression. Hey, this is my first full year as a pro COVID last year, the year before that you had the draft and you were hurt. This was his first full year where he was a professional athlete, knew the situation he was going to be in. And he, and he, and he you know, tailored out towards the end of the summer, right before training camp. It just says a lot about his character and, and when willing not willing to fight for his job. I think if he had a strong mini camp or even a so-so when he goes into training camp and lights it up, you'd have people like, okay, this is it. You can you can at least defend him saying the first two years were kind of a wash given the situations. Now he wants out. I don't blame him, but it's a little interesting to me. Yeah, and that's that's exactly what kind of where I wanted to go after what you were saying was he had such a good opportunity coming into this year. And this is such bad timing because unfortunately none of us were at minicamp. We didn't see what he did at minicamp, but this year coming into, if you, if you look at the the type of wide receiver that they probably want to, to get the share of reps in this offense, they got a ton of, they've got two tight ends who, who can both, you know, move and, and stretch the field a little bit. Like they, they can work. They're not, they're not just guys who are going to run up the seam. They've got, multiple running backs who can catch the ball out of the backfield. So what do you want at wide receiver? A big possession guy probably who once you get down in the red zone, you beef up and and you've got a bunch of big bodies to throw the football to. That's such a good spot for him. And it's not what you want out of of a first round receiver, but you're coming into this year and it's starting to look like, you know, if you asked me two weeks ago, what do you think about Nikhil Harry having a role in the red zone and, and kind of being that big body receiver where they can force him the ball a little bit? I would have been kind of ex- excited about it and been like, wow, they, they're actually going to be able to get some production out of this guy because in the, the back half of 2019, what did he do catching those touchdowns? Back shoulder, right. ball in the end zone against right. the Cowboys, the Cincinnati the touchdown City. on the scramble drill, in the back of the end zone where he outmuscled somebody. The Kansas City should have been a touchdown. He caught the ball on a crosser and, and ran over some dude and then – didn't step out of bounds. But you know what I'm saying? Like, this is a perfect situation for him, especially in the offense that they're going to be running. At the same time, too, though, like, the writing's on the wall. You spent huge money for two tight ends. You went out and got Aguilar. I mean, they gave him, what, $11 million guaranteed? He's probably the the wide receiver one. I think somebody that's going to be a... a, a, you know, an underrated star coming into the season. And then Kendrick Bourne, too. And then, obviously, no everybody knows about Jacob Myers now. Right. So, at the same time, yeah, he could have carved out a little role, but for someone like him who's a first-round pick trying to prove himself, he's trying to get another deal. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, In two it, years, he, he's not going to do that here. But this is the issue. The issue is is that, you know, you're trying to spin it as this. he's he's this great player, but like... I'm, yeah, he, I'm just playing devil's advocate yeah, on his no, side too. I understand. Know? I mean, listen, for him, he's got to go somewhere else because he's already been passed on the roster by Jacoby Myers. He's obviously yeah. going to be passed on the roster by, by Aguilar. You got to assume Kendrick Bourne's going to come in and pass him too. It, who's next? Is Gunner going to pass him? Right? Is um is is Trey Nixon going to pass him? Like who? Like you know? So that's the stuff. That's the stuff where it's like, okay, at, at some point, the kid's going to play, right? And and, and money and, money wise too. Gunner's making league minimum. Jacoby's right. making right. 
close to league minimum and Trey Nixon too. Like it just right. makes sense money wise for the Patriots to cut his ass. Well, and this is and the thing with me is that you know, I felt like I felt like the team did him wrong in the fact that they, you know, I don't know what the hell they were thinking. Like, if you have this guy, you should. I mean, we saw a little bit of it in the Rams game and a little bit of it in the Chargers game, right? He he just like. He's he's a he's a point of attack guy. He's a big bodied guy where you have to throw him the ball and let him try to win those those 50 50 balls. That's what he does. He doesn't do anything else. He does nothing else. And he didn't do anything else in college either. Like it's it's not like you knew what you were getting out of him. And it's like to I don't understand. I, I think the Patriots have a fantastic scouting department. I think the Patriots figure things out and and see things in guys that a lot of people don't see. I don't know how anybody in the world could have looked at him and AJ Brown and thought that he was better than AJ Brown. I just don't. I don't understand how that's possible. I just don't. I. I, I don't no. see because I mean, when you look at his body, though, does, if you if you look at Nikhil's body, that, that's that's a that's an NFL wide receiver. He just can't put it together. He has no. You know what I yeah, mean? Like so, they probably. But what I'm saying is, so is an AJ Brown, and he's faster. Hundred yeah. percent. You know what I mean? Like, that, you you can I'm look saying. at Nikhil and say, we can get this guy in our building, and and we can like right. I'm not justifying the pick. It was a horrible no, pick at the time. I, I, was yeah. a head I get what you're but, saying. I get what yeah. you're saying. I'm just saying you got two guys that look the same. One guy's faster than the other guy. It's they like playing well, the SEC. You know what I mean? Right, right. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, but but it is what I it mean, is. Yeah. But, but before we move on, I think you could, to kind of wrap it up a little bit, what the Patriots probably thought they could do was take this guy who looked like a man amongst boys in the, in the Pac-10 or whatever it is, Pac-12 now, he he looked like such a great athlete and so dominant on those screens and, and the punt returns and everything. I think they thought they could get him in here and he could kind of eat off of that athleticism alone and then they can work him in. And then that athleticism did not translate whatsoever, not even close. Like he's he's just not that – he's not better than anybody else that he's going against, you know, on Sundays. So right. he, he was – he's never been able to progress from what he was in college – because he's been playing every week or he's been hurt. Like, but let's face it last year, they played him way more than he, sh- than he deserved. Like he, he didn't deserve to get as much playing time as he did. And that's exactly my point. They like the intangibles. They like, you know, he's big, he's strong. He's got great hands when he decides he wants to actually try. Like the, he had phenomenal hands in college and it just, it just didn't work out, you know? So, yeah. And, and then they they did that thing where it's not working out. Let's just throw him out there, and maybe he'll figure it out once he's on the field. And then that made him look even worse because the confidence goes, and even Cam Newton starts to like not want to throw him the football because he's fumbling the ball at the goal line and he's dropping everything. So, yeah, it, I think it's been a shit show since day one. It absolutely has been. It absolutely has been. So uh, you're right, Marv. They do not play D in the Pac-12. As uh, yes, we've yeah, they don't. Worst conference in college football. It's brutal. It's brutal. Um, but yeah. So anyway, so let's move on. Let's move on to uh to Stephon Gilmore. I think Gilmore, you know, look, it's obvious that he wants a deal, right? He deserves a deal. He's not playing for seven million dollars. That's stupid, right? So um, but at the same time, you look at it and say, okay, and by the way, just just to because some people um some people were mentioning like what they do with him, whatever. I don't think they trade him right now. They don't. They're not going to be forced to trade him. I think they're probably going to end up cutting him if they have to. But we've seen it before, and someone mentioned it. Studio Jim here mentioned it. You know, 
something something's happened before that they've done multiple times. Like, hey, we're going to cut this guy. Is there anyone on your roster that we kind of like that you're going to cut to, right? And right. we just swap them out. You know, like it's just you just make that quick quick little sway, sw- switch and then boom, we're done. So, and he's a first round pick, but he was drafted thirty second overall. It's not like you know what I mean. Yeah. So hey, they've, they've got a beautiful opportunity at the end of training camp. They're going to Philadelphia. Right. Just tell him to pack his shit and you can stay. Like, yep. and we'll take some dude with us. You know, yeah. like talk about a team who has a worse wide receiver core than the Patriots. No it's kidding. Philadelphia. So just leave him there. You know. Right. Right. And it's like him and Devonta Smith can do. You know, they have like the the mini guy and the big yin and yang. Yeah. <laughs> so. They do. One's good. One stinks. One's big. One's small. It's perfect. Right. Exactly. So, anyways, Gilmore. Right, obviously wants to play. Talk to Jacina Anderson, who, by the way, just like her flexes are the best, dude. Where he's she's like Legend. sources, sources. I don't have sources. I just have players that, that text me. No big deal. Um, but you know, texted Jocina and was like, "Hey, like, you know, I want a new contract. Obviously, you know, I'm not going to play until I get one. But I'm hoping we can work things out here because I'm happy in New England. Like, I've got the quotes. What, if you want me to, yeah, you want to read them? Go ahead and read them. I mean, that's that's what we want to hear. You know, so go ahead. Yeah. From Joe Cena Anderson, I just got off the phone with Patriots cornerback Stephon Gilmore. That's what he had to say. I just want what I'm worth, however that plays out. Every player should be paid what they're worth. That's just how it is. Um, he's not pushing for a trade. Hopefully we can find some common ground and get it situated. I just know what I bring to the table and my style of play. Right now I'm just trying to focus on myself and make sure I'm good mentally and physically. Um, $7 million base salary, she said. And then um, the last thing that she mentioned was on his quad. He told me that he's doing well since offseason surgery. I feel stronger than I've ever felt since the surgery. I've been running a lot, building to full speed. He said, we'll see if I'll be 100% for camp. Um, if I need to be, I will, but I don't want to push it. And it basically means if I'm if I'm not there, it's my quad. Quad, yeah, right. but it's really right. I, want a, I want a new contract. I, we talked about this a few weeks ago. It's kind of been the in July football talk, at least we have something to talk about. It, nothing's really changed. I mean, obviously he was good. He's not pushing for a trade. I think everybody kind of understood that, that he wants to be here. And I'm sure the Patriots want him here. It's just trying to find a common ground. Um, they got to try to get that done before camp. What it looks like, who knows? Um, certainly he's worth more than $7 million a year, uh, what he's making this year. So um, uh, there's been some certain contract. What was it? The Revis contract was pretty similar to that. What they had some void yep. years. If he wants to get out or in a year and hit the market or, um, you know, I, I personally don't know what it takes to get him here, but um, they're a much better football team with him on the field as we've seen over the last three years, four years. So um, if he's not out there for camp, I don't think it's the end of the world, um, but it'll start getting interesting as, as the weeks keep going on. If he's not there, they, they don't have a contract. Yeah, the the big thing uh, that I think of just um, – I think Chris Mason wrote it. He wrote a, a nice story about all of the guys who have held out in the Belichick era. Um, and, and the one that's kind of most comparable, not just because they play the same position, but the situations that they were in was Asante Samuel. And that, that didn't end, you know, great. But the big thing was he came in in the middle of training camp and he said, all right, th- here's the deal. I'm going to play on this. I'm going to play on the rest of this deal. At the end of this year, you can either franchise tag me or you got to give me a, a like a big time extension. It's a little bit different because Gilmore is, you know, up there in age and he's already got that big contract. But at the end of the day, if he doesn't come in and play this year, then that's it's going to roll over to next year. He's going to be one year older. Who knows how the, the, the quad's going to hang up, you know, a year not playing football, a 34 year old like. The situation is, is he's going to play football this year and it's going to be for the Patriots. 
It's just whether or not he's going to play on a new deal and and have a couple extra years added on. This this is my point of view. Have a couple extra years point of, added on, or this is his last year in New England. He's out at the end of the year. You know, it's just a matter of yeah. what gets done before the season starts. Well, I think that that's. I think you're 100 right. Like it's either going to be, hey, we're going to give you more money this year and then two void years, or it's going to be we're going to give you more money this year and another one to three years after this, right? Yep. He's going to get an extension. The question is, will the extension be an actual extension or will it be a void extension? And that's that's the only thing I think that that we don't know yet. The problem with Gilmore is that because he's 31, you're not going to get fair value for him. In a trade, he's a top five corner in the NFL, but you're not going to get back what you want to get back. And like realistically, even if you did, what the hell use is that, right? Like what? Like yep. okay, you trade him. Now what? Like why? Why are you doing that? You have J.C. Jackson who is on, you know, is on is on an RFA this year, so isn't getting paid really anything. So it's like it, it just doesn't it doesn't make any sense. Like you let you kind of let them play out this year and kind of see what happens next year. I think the J.C. Jackson question is interesting because you know we don't know. I don't know if they know if he's a number one corner yet. And so, like, it's hard to – when you have Stephon Gilmore on the other side, it's a lot easier to play well when you're covering the number twos, you know? And I think JC's been fantastic when he's had to cover the number twos. He had to cover the number ones when Gilmore got hurt, and he struggled a little bit, right? And so, like, then this question about, okay, well, can he be the number one guy? If you let Gilmore walk now, I, mean, I guess theoretically you see that with JC off the bat before you got to give him a big con. I don't know. I just think – there is no, there is no reality in where you let Gilmore walk, and your team is is even close to as good as it was now. You know, it's just there's yep. nothing you can get back that's going to make you even comparable to where you are. So, you know, to me, it's it's you know, re-sign them, and then the question is, are they void years? Are they real years? To me, give them two extra years. What the hell? I mean, who cares? So you giving them, you make it make it fifteen million dollars. $15, $16 million. Now he's the top five paid corner in the NFL. He's not getting $20 million. He knows he's not getting Jalen Ramsey money. He knows that, right? But he thinks he's the top five corner in the NFL. You give him top five money. That's all you got to do. Give yep. him $15 million I mean, a year, and that'll be enough, you know? Darius Slay is a contract that's ex- like perfectly comparable to exactly what he's looking for, what the Patriots can afford. Like It's there. It's set in stone. They know what they can do. It's just why do it right now? Like they don't need to. There's no right. need to, to to stress about giving this guy a contract right now. Exactly. I Bill knows he doesn't really need to go to training camp. Like he'll be fine. Come in for a week workout. He'll be ready to go. And there there's no hurry to get something done. And I would I would I'd be willing to bet that something's going to get got, done on a random Tuesday. You know, we're all gonna wake up and it's gonna be like yeah. oh. Three-year extension, two of them don't count this year and next year, something like that. So, right, um, a whole lot about nothing, really. Yeah, <laughs> what I think about the, the Stephon Gilmore situation. No, you're probably right. Probably right. And speaking of Stephon Gilmore, that's a perfect segue into oh, our yes. final segment um, of the show. Keegan, take it away because that's who I'm taking first pick. So there you go. Yeah. All right. So we've got the uh, the draft is back this week. We're gonna have the uh, the graphic on Friday or Saturday. I haven't decided. I'm trying to like tinker with it and see when we get the most uh, votes because last week was a sham. Um, congratulations to Pat, Ryan, Ryan, and myself for winning uh, four way tie. Never, never before seen in the two weeks that we've done it. Um, so yeah, we we had four winners last week. We're gonna try to get it so more people. You gotta, 
vote. Just set it. Set it for like three days. Give people more time to vote. Yeah. We'll give people mm-hmm. more time. Um, whoever's on the Pat's Pulpit Twitter account, like, come on, guys. Let's let's start <laughs> pumping these things out so, so people can see this stuff. So um, this week, best free agency signings in Patriots history. Um, it doesn't just have to be under the Bill Belichick era. It could be Bill Parcells. Um, what, free agency start in 93? 93, yep. Yeah, no undrafted free agents because we did that two weeks ago or three weeks ago. Um, so the order this week is Spags first, Pat second, me third, and then it's a, a snake draft. So we'll come back around and I'll um, pick first in the second round. So Spags, take it away even though you already told me who you want. Yeah, it's Stephon Gilmore. Hopefully he's his uh, better days are ahead of him here. Uh, it's hard to complain about that signing maybe the first three or four weeks it's uh actually some twitter gold if anybody could go dig up people's tweets from like the first four weeks of that season he's been an absolute shutdown um statistically analytically the best cornerback in football since he arrived here i think that is the best free agent signing under bill belichick and in my opinion patriots history um maybe back in your day uh pat i'm joking with you there might be another one there that's that might be a little bit better but um when you talk about you know, what's he been to two, two Super Bowls that Philadelphia year, obviously had the tough first month. He led them there. And then um, the year versus the Rams and then defensive player of the year. I mean, his, his legacy speaks for itself. I think that's a, that's a slam yeah, dunk. Number one slam, dunk slam dunk. Number one. He's, you know, the, you know, arguably one of the best players at his position and they don't have anybody else that you can say that about after they signed him. Right. And so, yep. Uh, you know, that's slam dunk. Number one, I have the number two pick. And like this, this like physically hurts because I have like four guys that I really want, but there is one guy that I absolutely will like cry myself to sleep tonight if I don't get. So I have to take him number two, and that's Rodney Harrison. Rodney, yep, comes in in 03, just an absolute, just an absolute savage, just a savage. I mean, he is, he's one of my favorite players ever. Uh, you know, 30, 30 club, 30 picks, 30 interceptions, uh, just an absolute monster. And, uh, you know, and so good that they cut Lawyer Malloy and still won back-to-back Super Bowls. Those two teams might be two of the best Patriots teams of all time. And he was a massive part of that. And of course, almost one in 07 as well. But, uh, but nevertheless, Rodney Harrison is my first round pick. Stupid cheap too. If I could just add six years, $15 million. Get out yeah. of here! Like that's uh-huh. that's stupid. Two and a half million dollars well, a year for Rodney Harrison. And so my the draft story is my favorite story ever because uh, the the signing story. I'm sorry, is my favorite story ever. I'm sure people yeah. have heard of it. I'm sure I they actually just watched that America's Game like last week, and it's great. Oh, it's so it shows good. up. Yeah, so good. They bring him to the freaking ground round for God's sakes. The ground round. R.I.P. and Pete. Right, dude. And he so he meets a Belichick. And he's like, cancel all my flight, cancel it all. Like, this is where I'm. I figure it out. He just calls his agents, like, figure it out. This is where I'm playing. I don't care. So, and he's and uh, Cody's right. The best practice player ever, too. He's right about that. Killing kids in practice. All right, Keegan, go ahead. You're gonna take. I'm sure at least one of my guys that I want. I'm sure. But before I go, the only person that's ever made Troy Brown like lose his cool, Rodney Harrison, (laughs) used to used to cheap shot him at practice every week. Just he'd come across the middle, not today. To get him going, kill him. Yep. Um, third pick, I got to go with my guy, Mike Vrabel, three-time Super Bowl champ, the only guy on this list who has three, I believe, um, 142 games as a Patriot, 
all pro in 2007, 48 sacks, 11 interceptions, 600 plus tackles and 10 receiving touchdowns. The most efficient tight end in the history of the NFL, uh, 10 catches, 10, 10 touchdowns. Just he's one of those guys you, you hear it all the time out of Belichick now, but the ultimate Patriot, like there's, there's no one else that could do what Mike Rabel did for the Patriots. The original number 50, he started a legacy just like Ty Law with 24 and Ben Coates with 87 and, and Brewski with 54. Vrabel and and white guys who rush the passer in 50, you know? So <laughs> Mike Vrabel for me with the third pick. And then I wrap it back around um, with pick number four. And I'm going to go with a controversial one, Wes Welker. Wes Welker. Wrong. You do it. It was a trade. They traded for him. They traded for him. It was like no. a fifth-round pick. Yeah, he was, yes. an, he was an RFA. They traded a second and a seventh-round pick for him. That's what they, he was a second-round pick tender, and they threw in an extra seventh to get him from Miami. And they signed him to an extension immediately. That's why. Yep. Yep. That's why. God <laughs> damn. All right. Because I, I thought I'm about Wes. I was like, oh, Wes. I was like, wait a second. And they traded for Wes. You know what? Because I, I looked at a, a list and he, it was on there, so I just assumed I was oh, yeah. I was seven. I didn't know. Um, but we can't blame you. You're right. too young to remember those things. It's not your fault. I'm a child. You know what? I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna take a, a a different route. Danny Amendola. Oh, he, okay. It might be a little early, but talk about a guy who everybody thought was a disappointment after a year. Everybody's like five years, twenty eight million for Danny yeah. after not doing anything in the NFL. Really, like he was okay in St. Louis. Um, was a god awful like third receiver in 2013. Couldn't stay healthy. Dropped everything, and then exploded in 2014. Um, after Edelman, I think he's the best postseason receiver that the Patriots have seen. You know, since the early dynasty, David Gibbons. Um, David Gibbons. Yeah, since the early dynasty, right? Yeah. Like he he's right up there with those guys. I got the stats again. Two times Super Bowl champ. 287 catches for 3,092 yards and 18 touchdowns. Prolific playoff guy. You know, in 2017, that run that he had with Edelman out, AFC Championship game, two touchdowns, scored in the Super Bowl, scored in both Super Bowls that he was in, or all three Super Bowls he was in. Um, just a, a phenomenal, like, you didn't think he was going to live up to it, and then he exceeded it. And right. one of my favorite things about Amadola signed for five years, 28 million. He only made $13 million while he was here because they kept restructuring his contract. Yeah. They kept just dicking him around. So ultimate team player. And then he yelled at Belichick about it when he signed with uh, the Dolphins. So Amendola with the fourth pick. There you go. Love it. All right. Brings me to the second round. My second pick, fifth overall. And uh, I'm kind of surprised he's here. Not going to lie to you. Darrell Revis. Yep. Uh, is my pick here. Revis played obviously one year with the Patriots, uh, pro bowler, all pro first team, all pro as well. Only had two picks, but he completely changed the way they played football in new England in 2014. Uh, of course, Browner comes over as well, but like Revis was the guy he was Revis Island to the extreme. He was unbelievable. Absolutely phenomenal player. Um, you know, just complete lockdown, shutdown corner in 2014. And again, like I said, changed the way the Patriots play defense, and they've kind of had that since. It's kind of crazy, but like, you know, uh, what's his face played played Malcolm Butler played pretty well in twenty four in twenty fourteen, and then sixteen as well. You know, so in twenty fifteen, I'm sorry, and then sixteen and seventeen. Obviously, uh, Gilmore comes over. So like, Revis just 
was so damn good in 2014. It was only one year, but he was so good. And they don't win that Super Bowl without, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious. They don't win that Super Bowl without him. He was the best player in that defense. And, uh, and so Darrell Revis is my pick there. That you guys just went back to back to back for me. Um, <laughs> but for me, my second pick, uh, that kind of coming back around, I'm going to go with Nick, Rob Ninkovich, a uh, guy who bounced around, um, finally got here in 2009, started every single game from 2011 to 2015. Uh, I believe it was a suspension slash tricep injury that kept him off for the first couple games of 2016. But talk about a guy who just got here, what just kind of scrapped his way into the roster and became a, a very important piece could uh, get after the quarterback and was one of the main um, pieces to that dynasty 2.0. Um, so I'm going to go with Ninkovich. And then, uh, you know, th- this counts. Even though he was drafted here, he did leave and then Son he resigned again. I'm going to go with my guy, Pat Chung. Damn it. You Pat asshole. Chung, I think that's a. When you talk about guys who are just. So there's so many guys that in, in, yeah. in the dynasty, all of them, but really dynasty 2.0 that you kind of, I don't want to say forget about, but just had massive massive roles that you just they were so good at it and so consistent that you almost just overlooked it that's pat chung man i think that guy the hardest that guy would come down his role was so tough took on tight ends played in the box uh that's why he you know he always battled injuries uh that guy's a true patriot man i I, we're really gonna miss him this year i think that's uh that was one of the better signings getting him back and i think his career really took off so i'm gonna go pat chung for my third pick and rob ninkovich for my second pick well what's crazy i thought it was gonna be I thought it was going to be so sneaky and take him with the last pick. I was like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to steal oh, the was, draft. Chung's my was, guy, man. I was That's taking him. I was taking him next. Um, yeah. Damn. Man, he, oh, he was so good. So good. Uh, and and talk about an example of, you know, a guy who they didn't, they couldn't really figure out at the beginning. And then they brought him back another time and they were like, we know exactly what to do with this guy now. They figured it out and they got him going. So um, that was awesome. So, uh, all right. Uh, all right. I'm going to go with the three-time Super Bowl winner as well. Uh, might be a little bit off the board here, but Joe Andruzzi, you want to pick here. Uh, he was made my second team uh, of uh, of best Patriots of the Belichick era at guard. Um, and Andruzzi just, I mean, was, was a phenomenal player, was here from 2000, 2004, um, was an absolute, um, was just, was a great player, a great player. Um, and so, you know, again, won three Super Bowls. My favorite moment of well. him, not to cut you off, was after, and I was so little then, but I watched those like documentaries. Was the game after 9 11 when his three oh, brothers God. were in the towers and he comes out with the American flag? It's just, it gives me chills every time. It's so um, good. It was, I mean, it's that that moment was unbelievable. And they rallied around, you know, him. I mean, you have that situation, and there was so many people like that, but like where he's just at home, like all his brothers are, are firefighters in New York, and he's like, doesn't know. Like if they're all dead, you know, and then thank God, like they all survive. But it's like unbelievable. Marf, we will not be pandering to the Patriots beat here and and picking Matt Chatham. I'm sorry. He's not even he's not even the best special teamer that can get picked. <laughs> Shout out Larry Izzo. I don't know if you guys want to pick Larry Izzo, but right. Um, so, yeah, right. my turn. Over to you, Keeks. I can't, I can't live. I wouldn't be able to live with myself if I didn't pick my guy, Larry Guy. Just ultimate so, Patriot, you know. In, in this era, the kind of Late, late part of Dynasty 2.0 and into the new era. He's played such an important role. Three-time captain. He won a Super Bowl. And he was a journeyman. Like, this guy didn't do anything before he got to New England. (laughs) And uh, 
signed a four-year, $15 million deal, and then they just signed him again to a, a vet minimum deal after he played phenomenally. Um, you know, he's led the middle of the defense for half a decade, 69 games out of a possible 71, you know, durable, reliable, and the face of the unsung hero, you know, uh, lists that I did last year. He he was on there left and right. So yeah. Larry Guy, and then with my last pick, this is tough because we're getting to like Dynasty 1.0 in, in the middle years where no one, like all our young fans have no idea about any of these guys. <laughs> um, but I'm going to, I'm going to pick David Patton, just three times Super Bowl champion. Took they signed him to a vet picks. minimum. What was that? Took both my damn picks. You son of a bitch. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> they signed him to a vet minimum, three times Super Bowl champion, 18 touchdowns, six, I think six playoff touchdowns. Tom Brady's first Super Bowl touchdown pass to David Patton. Yep. Um, you know, he, he caught that one. Um, the original double pass from Troy Brown in Indy. Um, right. And then I think he caught, he caught like a Hail Mary in he was like, Vegas he was like the, or Oakland. I think he was the third person, the third player in NFL history. Maybe he was the first player in NFL history to run, pass, and catch a touchdown in the same The game. second. The second. Uh, another guy who could who could be drafted was the third uh, for the Patriots. But David Patton, he's not a name that's going to like get the people going. But Love it. I think out of on this list, he might be the most like unsung guy that people don't remember. But he serves such a, a big role. And Belichick said it himself when he signed for like five minutes in 2010 and then retired. Belichick said, without David Patton, we don't win the first Super Bowl. He, he, we just straight up don't do it. He won them the the divisional round in in one. You know he he caught both. I think the only touchdown the Patriots scored in that game, and then the Super Bowl touchdown. So phenomenal right. player. There you go. There you go. All right. Uh, final pick of the draft. I have already lost because there is a zero percent chance that I'm beating I get the final pick. friggin' spags. spags no, no, no chance. There's no chance. So my dad's giving me crap because I picked Revis over over Ninkovich. So I'm I'm letting him make the final final selection here. And the final selection, I actually was going to make it anyways, but the final selection is Antoine Smith. Uh, Antoine Smith's a guy who, no flash. There's almost zero flash from Antoine Smith. But if you give him 20 carries, he's getting 100 yards almost every single game. Just it just it That's what was going to happen. Um, he was a great player for them. That was, you know, those two championships are before Brady was Brady, right? And they had a running game, and that running game solely consisted of Antoine Smith. Of course, they bring Corey Dillon into, in 04. But Antoine was massive for them, you know, in a bunch of games uh, down the stretch and, you know, really played great for them for those three years. So uh, for that reason, Antoine Smith is my final pick. I almost pulled a, a Keegan, but I remembered he got traded. I was going to say, how has LeGarrette Blunt not been picked? Oh, yeah. But yeah. He, he was traded from the box. Seventh round pick. Um, I'm going to go with um, – I'm going to go uh, back in my time. He uh, won, what, three Super Bowls here, I believe. Uh, Roman Pfeiffer. Uh, yep. Signed here in I let's think go, right before nice, the 2000 season. Um, oh one, kind of kind of under the radar from what I can remember. But he was a nail in the inside linebacker with uh, in the inside with Teddy Bruschi. Made some big plays in that Super Bowl. Won three Super Bowls here. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna go with Roman Pfeiffer. I think that was it. And I think Love there it. was a story, and I read it in the Dynasty book. I believe it was him where that was one of the first guys that really kind of as a free agent and outside coming in that really bought into the Patriots culture. Mm -hmm. Thanks to Willie McGinnis. He was working out with them in LA. I think they were both yep. uh, played college in that area. 
And he kind of said like, Hey, you know, we're building something special here. We want you to be a part of it. That was right before he had like big money from the Raiders. And I think he turned down money uh, in, a, in almost like a, the same role from Oakland at the time, who was obviously a favorite in the AFC to come to new England. Um, so I think he's one of those key guys that from the outside coming in, that really helped uh, mold this culture in this sort of Patriot Patriot way. And uh, was a big part in those first three Super Bowls. So Roman Pfeiffer is my last pick. That old one class of, of free yep. agents will never be topped. Never, ever. It doesn't matter. I mean, you got, you got Antoine Smith, you got, uh, Ninkovich, you got Pfeiffer, you got Larry Izzo, you got um, Patton. I mean, and they were all guys that uh, Bobby Hamilton was one of them. Like, they were all guys that people were like, yeah, right, yeah, they're fine. Like, they're fine. But like, every single one of those guys came in. As a matter of fact, Bobby Hamilton might have been 2000, but either way. But like, the, you know, point is that Bobby Hamilton guys, was Belichick's first free agency signing in 2000. So, they, so there you go. So 2000. So, but like, but those those are guys that were under the radar. People weren't thinking about. We're looking at it like, eh, I don't think so. And they just and they all produced. Every single one of them produced. By the way, I thought about. Oh, I think I don't think Bolden. I think Bolden. Oh, he left and came back. All right, Murph, that's yeah. fine. It's, I know it's your Hulk guy. I, we get it. We get it. Uh, Devlin, Hogan, Burkhead. Those are all. Those are all good. Uh, Woodhead. Good Roosevelt Colvin, your boy, Deion Rosie Lewis. Colvin. Yep. Deion Lewis. Deion Lewis. Deion Lewis, Junior Seau. Yep. yep. Ted Washington, Alan Branch. Um, you know, guys, guys that guys that made that made moments. Um, but or, you know, yeah. Brandon Browner. Brandon Browner too, right? Yeah, Browner for that one year. Browner Browner. We don't for that talk one about year. Brandon Browner. <laughs> yeah. And for people rough, that don't rough post career. Oh, yeah. big time. Yeah. People that don't remember, he was statistically the worst cornerback in the NFL the next year for uh, for, the, yep. for the for the uh, for the Saints. Yeah. So, yeah. but uh, but yeah. So you know. Also, yeah, the, the the Malcolm Butler interception doesn't happen without Brandon Browner just Very being true. an absolute hoss and Very making true. what was it? Uh, Lockett, not Tyler Lockett, but Ricardo Lockett. Yeah, Ricardo Lockett. He was the interception, and then oh, Chris Matthews. They they put they put uh was Browner on Chris Matthews. Okay. Yeah, because Matthews was burning Kyle Arrington. Then they put in Butler on Matthews, and then McCordy was like, "Hey, why don't you put the big guy on Matthews and let Butler cover?" Uh, like, Jermaine oh, Curse. That, that makes sense. Yep. Yeah. It only took them. I just watched the 2014 that. America's game, so I'm like, "Yeah, that game. That's 2014 oh, brain game's outrageous." Um, but yeah, I mean, we can run through the teams, but like Spags, just I mean, it, he's going to get like 85 yeah, percent of the vote. Spags had Gilmore, Ninkovich, yeah. Chung, and Pfeiffer. Pat had uh, Harrison, Rodney Harrison, Darrell Rivas, Joe Andrewsy, and Antoine Smith. And I had Mike Vrabel, Danny Amendola, Lawrence Guy, and David Pat. There you go. I mean, all go- I-, I think they're all solid teams. You know what I mean? Like, they yeah. really are. It's just that, you know, when you have Gilmore, Ninkovich, and friggin' uh, and Chung, like, that's just, you know. Let's go, baby. (laughs) Drinks on all of us. That's it's going to end up being like we're going to have the same record. There you go. Yeah. Right. Oh, Murph with it. Yeah, we know. We know Murph Spags one. I'm blocking. I'm blocking Murph from the uh, the the podcast (laughs) account, so we can't vote. (laughs) So, um, but yeah, but I think that's it. I don't think we have we have nothing else today, right? Two weeks um, away, fellas. Almost there. Two weeks. We are like you have some content. So we're closing in. I'm very excited. I'm going to be up in Maine. 
I just want to. I want. I want you people Gross. to know the dedication. Okay, I want you to know the dedication. I'm going away the final week of of July, and I'm taking my podcast equipment with me, so I will be podcasting like on the road. I don't care. I'm like, all right, I, Nicole. My wife doesn't know that yet, but she will. So, but uh, you know, it's the way it goes. She'll find out the hard way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll Ask be back in two hours. Ask for forgiveness, not permission. You know what I mean? So. But uh, that's actually terrible advice. Don't listen to that. Don't listen to that. You two you who do have that to girlfriends and aren't married yet. Yes, <laughs> right. Yeah, don't know. Terrible advice. Don't listen to me. Um, <laughs> anyways, so that's it. Thanks for coming, guys. We appreciate it. And uh, we'll be back next week. And like Spag said, two weeks away. We're going to do another draft this week and uh, next week. And then who knows? We'll see if those fizzle out maybe. Peace. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical.